All right. Good morning. And again, thank God for all of you that are with us on today. You hear the phrase so often, this is a day that the Lord had made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We are glad, again, to be alive and well. We're thankful to God for all of you that are with us on today. Uh, any of you that are guests today, again, we're honored to have you be with us on today. God be praised that you are with us on today. It's a nice day on today. Uh, some would say it's humid, uh, but any day is a good day. Amen. It's about perspective. So, again, we are thanking God for all of you. Uh, that are with us. Uh, just right off the bat, again, thank you to all of you uh, that attended the Wolverine State uh, Congress and Convention this past week. It was a great week. I had a great time uh, this week and, uh, you know, starting the first of the year, the leadership mantle passes on to others uh, and we're thankful to have served uh, in the convention. Um, there are other things that God has for us to do at this point. We're thankful to God for that. But we thank for your support. Thank for you being there, especially on the night that I gave my uh, final address. And thanks to all of you that came out on yesterday. Uh, we had two events going on at the same time, the celebration of life of Brother Willie Land. Uh, I didn't know he was a deacon at, at any time. Uh, we're grateful again for, for Brother Willie Land. So thanks to all you that came out for that. But then thanks to all the brothers. The brothers showed up in great numbers yesterday to help out with uh, Wolverine State uh, Convention. They were in the park literally at the same time as the repast going on here. And we did a great job, uh, got everything taken care of. It was a good day overall. So again, thanks to all of you uh, who helped out with those things. Um, coming up this upcoming week, um, we're actually in getting ready for school mode. Uh, we have grands, grandchildren and some of the children that are getting ready for school, and uh, we are excited for our children. As they get ready for that school, they need to be getting ready for Sunday school just as well. Amen. And so as they get ready to go back to that school, parents, we're looking for them to start their way back into Sunday school here. Uh, we're trying to get our rooms ready. Uh, I will say again, uh, if you want to sign for any of the classes, the class list is in the foyer. Uh, it's got four or five classes that you can select from. Make sure you give that sheet to Deacon Roscoe. You can give it to one of the deacons so that we know what our numbers are. We can make preparation. Uh, we've got a couple TVs and some laptops we need to get to get the rooms ready technologically. And again, I want to again just say your, your giving helps there. Some of you have given uh, again, and I want you to know we appreciate that. Um, but we still got some work to, done, to be done. That's about a $5,000 endeavor to put TVs in all the rooms, laptops and Zoom cameras, all that stuff there. So your giving above and beyond really helps. If you can give $100, $200, $50, $20, $5, whatever you give, it will make a difference when we get ready to get those items that we need, okay? Uh, next Saturday is a historical day uh, at New Life. We bring in Mr. Maurice Ashley. He is the first African-American grand chess master in the country. Just as an FYI, because you don't see a time there, it is our expectation that he's going to be in the park at 10 a.m. At 10 a.m. If you're trying to figure out the time, it's 10 a.m. 
Uh, he's going to do a chess exhibition and talk to us about decision-making and how chess helps you do that. Um, so we're making preparation for that. He will then leave there uh, and go over to the Cultural Festival for about an hour. Uh, he'll be signing uh, autographs. We've got some books. We've got one book in particular that he has written. Um, he's got a website where he has some what I call trade items, items that has his brand. Uh, I tried to purchase some of those and was not successful. I'm going to try again today and tomorrow. And if so, I should have some T-shirts and some other things here by next week that he could sign for you. Uh, if not, I mean, we'll just do the best that we can. But we're excited to have him be with us uh, next weekend. Um, so please tell your nephews and nieces, your sons and daughters, we want you to come out. Um, the sacrifice of your time is about an hour and a half, maybe two. And so it would be great for you to be there. We're trying to get the local media there. So if you know anybody in the local media, uh, please tell us so that we can make sure they have the information. We've already sent it once. We want to send it again so that they can't say they did not get it. So if you know someone, please make us aware so we can get them here and be a part of that. So beyond that, <clears throat> I think that's uh, all the things that's going on. Again, kudos to all of you for your great showmanship on last week, last, uh, last Sunday afternoon. Um, Reverend Christopher Tatum, Minister Christopher Tatum, we call him Minister, uh, just as you know, we call him Minister Christopher Tatum, delivered his um, first sermon. And again, we are grateful for the turnout and for all of you and for your prayers. Uh, thanks to all of you that prayed for our family during this week. My youngest brother's son was laid to rest this past week. So again, we thank God for your prayers as it relates to that. So again, we're thankful to God for all of you, uh, for your support, uh, for your continued love, your prayers for our families, uh, for the Land family. She was certainly happy to be back home yesterday. I think she took off yesterday afternoon, headed back home. So again, we're thankful to all of you, okay? All right, so hey, we are flankered by two of the world's greatest uh, theologians par excellence in the person of Deacon James R. York and Deacon Damien Yancey. And again, we're grateful uh, we've got uh, Deacon uh, Roscoe in the bullpen warming up just in case we need him. And so we are thankful to all of you that are with us on today. Take a minute, and we just got flying in from Switzerland. Here's Deacon Stewart. And so, uh, Brother Simmons, we're grateful for him. And, and, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that at the end of the day, if I didn't have any of them, uh, our foremost expert in the Bible and the person of uh, Brother William Simmons would always be ready to come up and stand with me just as well. <clears throat> so we're thankful to God for all of you. Hey, our subject, does everybody have the handout? I see we've got some guests here. Everybody got the handout? All right. All right. Everybody should have it by now. If you don't, I see we've got some guests here. They'll make sure you get it. We've been talking about this issue, and I just want to continue to lift this thought with you. We've been working at it. Um, it's called uh, Spiritual Warfare, Christian's Plan for Satanic Attack. Why are we talking about that? I want to continue to reiterate. The reason why we're talking about this is because the only enemy that we have in this world, well, I, well, let me give you two. 
the, the only enemy that we have in this world, enemies that we have in this world, is Satan and ourselves. Okay? Satan's purpose is to destroy us. And one of the things that I've discovered is that if you don't learn how to fight Satan, you'll always lose to him. So you've got, in order to fight him, says him, you have to learn how he operates. Uh, notice this in athletics, especially in football and basketball, if you will, and those type of sports. Every week, what the football team does is it watches footage of the team that's going to play in the very next week. Why do they do that? They do that to figure out the type of plays they run so they know now how to practice and play them. Well, I'm saying the same thing to you. If you don't know how Satan operates, Satan will continue to win every battle that he wages against you. Now, let me push this a little bit further because here's the other piece you've got to also understand. The second enemy that we have to battle with most of the time is we ourselves. We can be our worst enemy because we don't know how to control our own selves. As a matter of fact, sometimes we could literally say we're out of control. We're out of control in terms of our thinking. Our thinking runs crazy. Some of the things that we say they run crazy. He said, close that door. <laughs> say, uh, you know, and so some of those things that goes on, you know, the Bible says every time I desire to do right, evil is present. And just because you think it, it doesn't mean it's right. Our thing, I, I say amen to my own self since y'all ain't say amen. You know, there are some things that our mind thinks because our body has a desire for it. Everything that our, our body desires is not good for us. Everything that glitters is not gold. All right? So we talked about Satan. How did he evolve? Satan, is, Satan was created by God but created for good. But we also discovered, says Watkins, that Satan had a choice to be good or evil just like every other angelic being. Everything that God created has the ability of free will. And free will, Brother Harrison, means you can choose to do what you want to do, but also understand, just like now, um, if, if there's a hot plate right here, a hot plate, they used to use those, didn't you, in college, hot plate uh, when the you know, when cafeteria was closed and you couldn't go get nothing else, and so you always had some ramen noodles and some little stuff you can put on there. So you had a hot plate. I know I'm talking to somebody that know, remember the hot plate. All right. And so at the end of the day, if I chose to put my hand on a hot plate, nobody made me do that. I made a choice. But now I'm not going to put my hand on a hot plate and not get burned. That's the choice. Okay. And so, you know, you can't go down and rob a store and not expect to go to jail. You cannot expect to drive down this road at 100 miles an hour and not get a ticket. Okay, you can't expect to go in and cuss your boss out and not get fired. You know, when you make a decision, there is a consequence. And in our lives, sometimes we act because our flesh wants the best. We're going to look at how that works uh, as we go through. Uh, you know, if you look in page 10, uh, one of the things and I'll say again for all of us, remember uh, this about Satan. Satan will stop at nothing to discourage you, distract you, and destroy you. All right? Now, we have this thing called self-esteem, right? Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. And how you feel about yourself is a combination of how your life is going, 
your life experiences, what you expect in life, uh, the, the, the health of your life, the finances of your life, the relationships of your life, and so forth and so on. Well, if as a child you were told that you were dumb all your life, what, what could possibly happen with your self-esteem? It can be low. <coughs> Excuse me. What if you ended up in an abusive relationship with a person that said, you're nothing, you're fat, you're ugly, nobody wants you, you better be glad I got you. If you hear that enough, that can damage your what? It can damage your thinking, all right? If you've been uh, assaulted by someone, sometimes it can change your mindset. If you've been robbed by someone, if you got in a car accident, and let's bring it real close to home. This COVID thing has really worked on the minds of people all around the world. There are some people right now that have not been out of their homes for nearly two and a half years. So there again, what Satan is doing is Satan is using those things to work against us. All right. And then Satan wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your character. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy everything. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy your spirit. If he can break your spirit, then you're going to have some severe issues to contend with. So as believers, you know, we have privileges that Satan no longer has. And he'll do anything and everything to stop him. So, you know, one of the things that we told you last week was that Satan will stop you. Satan's, one of Satan's goal is to stop you from becoming all God has destined you to become. All right. Now, I know some of you know Jeremiah uh, uh, 29 and 11. I know you know it. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Right. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I like that, says Meekins, because I like the word plans because it has an S on the end. All right. For I know the plans that I have for you now. You need to make that personal, all right? Plans to prosper you. Now, I need to make sure you understand, Brother Brooks, that plans to prosper don't mean that all of us going to be filthy rich, all right? Now, I need to tell you right now, whether you know it or not, and I don't look like it, but I am filthy rich. I am. I mean, don't, hey, don't look at the car outside and don't look at these little old pieces of linen or clothes I got on. They ain't worth much. much. Uh, don't, don't look at the shoes and all that stuff. I need you to understand. Don't look at the house I live in. I need you to understand that because I'm royalty, I'm filthy rich. See, the Bible says, says Kernan, that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. As a matter of fact, Brother Ernie, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So because my daddy owns it, that means I own it. Tell your neighbor, you own it too. All right. Every now and then, it's okay to brag on what you own. Because, see, the, your daddy says in Philippians 2.19, because I own everything, I supply all your needs. Now, I like that, and I need you to understand I like that because whatever I need, God said, ask and you shall receive, seek you shall, or it says, ask and you shall receive. Uh, help me out that with y'all. Y'all help me with that. Seek and you shall find, knock, and the door shall be open. So here's the thing I like about God. Just because you ask to hit the Powerball don't mean you're going to hit it. 
Why would you want to hit the Powerball when your daddy already owns everything? All right? That's upside back. That's, that's backwards. That's, that's, and so when I look at this, one of the things I've discovered about God is, you know, one of the things that I'm glad God has given me an overdose of, Deacon York, God has given me an overdose of joy. He's given me an overdose of peace. He's given me an overdose of contentment. And what do I mean by that? I'm happy the way I am. All right? I'm happy the way I am. I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with how God has blessed me. And, and, and at some point, you've got to understand the secret to contentment is learning to love how God has blessed you where you are. I keep saying this, uh, Sister Marshall, a lot. Sometimes we just need to look around and look at other people and see how other people are worse off than you. I was listening to Dr. Ava Lewis. She was lecturing uh, Brother Simmons on Saturday, on, on Friday, and she said um, she, she goes to Africa every other year. All right, it's a mission trip. And she goes over, she says, in Africa, and I want to, Botswana, I think is where she went. She said, in Botswana, they don't have a COVID issue because the government mandated everybody to take it. She said, but they have, they still have measles. They still have, and there was three other diseases that they have. Uh, leprosy. Now, think about that. They, leprosy is running rampant in Botswana. They got leprosy, measles, and it was something else. And I said, you know, I'm thankful. Now, America is not the greatest nation, but I'm thankful I live in America. All right. And I'm thankful we have the medicines that we have. You know, those people over there sleep in huts. I'm thankful I got a roof over my head. All right. And, yeah, you know, you can go in, you know, some of them literally when they eat, they go out and get their dinner. You know, I'm grateful I can go to Walmart and get, well, y'all ain't going to help me, but you understand what I'm saying. And so I say this to you to always be reflective about how good God is. It could always be worse for you than where you are. And if everyone would remind your children of that, um, how much balance would our kids be? When they realize, hey, you don't have some Jordans on, but you got shoes on. All right. You may not have the latest designers, but you have clothes on. And it's about perspective. I may not eat filet mignon all the time. But every now and then, I have a piece of chicken. All right. So you got to learn how to be grateful. So, so one of the things that we understood was that, that God has a plan. Help me, Deacon Roscoe, 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 9 and 11. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we understand is that God has a plan for us. But not only does God have a plan, God says, I'll give you whatever you want. Now, watch this text. It says this. It says, but as it is written. And written means it's settled. I have not seen. That means nobody has ever seen this before. Ear had not heard. That means it's never been spoken before. Neither has entered the heart of man. That means man has never thought of it. His mind has never conceived it. Uh, the things, I like that word things because it has what, has what on the end? All right. The things which God had prepared for who? Who's the them? The them is us's or me's, says Pratt. Them that love him, all right? 
eyes haven't seen. God said, I got something. But then he says, but God has revealed them to us by who? By his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. All right? Watch verse 11. For, for what man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the spirit knows what I need. He conveys that to God who then meets that need. Even when you don't know what you need, the spirit knows what you need. All right? So that's critical. Now watch Psalm 84 and 11. You hear me quote it all the time. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God give grace and glory. No good thing will he what? What does withhold mean? All right? Now let me go back and back it up about three. No good thing. So what does that mean? Okay? No good thing means it's not good for you. So we don't shout enough over the fact that there's some stuff that was coming our way that we thought was good, but God said it ain't good. And God didn't let it come in our lives. Matter of fact, we, can I just make this argument that we don't shout enough for all the stuff that you don't see that God blocks from coming in your life? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Sis Brooks, I, you know, Sis Janelle, I, I don't think we shout enough at all the stuff that God keeps from attacking us, keeps from destroying us, keeps from running over us, keeps from taking. We don't shout enough as a church of, of uh, or as a body of baptized believers. It's the unknown. It's the unknown stuff that we don't know that God is blocking every day because you're covered. All right. So, so you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, one of the things that we know, Satan wants to stop you from becoming all that God. But then, uh, secondly, Deacon Yancey, number two, what does Satan uh, want to do? Start from realizing the power you have as a child of God. All right. So, Deacon, what does that mean in your opinion? And, and, and Deacon Yancey, if you can put up uh, Luke 10, 18, and 19, that way we can take a look. What, is that, what do you think that means? Pastor, I think that means that we don't realize the power that we have over Satan. Amen. Amen. That we have the power to defeat him. Although he's coming after us day after day, we have the power to whoop him like he stole something. Hey, hey, yes, sir. Look out now. Look out now. Hello, somebody. Now, let me just ask you a question. And I, I just want you to be honest about this yourself because until you're honest, you'll never... You know, one of the things I had to learn about running is I had to realize where I wasn't strong at. And the more I ran, the, the more I realized was I wasn't a long-distance runner. But I needed to get a wind about me and strengthen my legs. So the more the coach made me run, I began to discover, okay, here are the areas I need to work in. Well, I'm saying this to you. How, do you. Do you really know how much power you have? Do you really know? And if you don't know, let me say this. It's okay. That's why we're in this training. That's why we're doing what we do. So watch, watch, what, watch what Jesus says to his disciples. Watch this, Luke 10 and 18. Luke 10, 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Watch I, this now. I have given authorities to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemies. Nothing will harm you. Did y'all hear that? He said, and behold, I give you authority. Now, what does authority mean? Okay, I give you rulership. I give you power. You're in charge. I give you authority. 
to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, what? let's take it in the right perspective. That don't mean go out there and put your foot on a scorpion. I, look, uh, uh, bro Simmons, I was watching TV, bro Bracken. I was watching TV the other day, and there are some, there are some denominational uh, groups out there that literally take this where it says, "You shall drink blood of poison, and it shall not harm you," and all that stuff. There, they literally take that literal. This one guy, he was at church and. He had a snake, and he was just dancing and dancing around and stuff like that. And he wasn't, you know, he tried to kiss the snake, and the snake bit him on the lip. Like, no, nah, I won't be trying that. I mean, come on now. You got to have some common sense, all right? You know, if the story told about this guy, Dean York, you ought to hear him tell a story about a billion times about this man. He was walking along. It was cold outside, and he looked down on the ground, and he saw a snake coiled up and almost froze. So he took the snake, Sister Meekin, and put him in his coat to warm him up. He walked, Sister Blanche Williams, he walked down the street, Sister Brown. He walked down the street about a mile, and all of a sudden, he could feel the snake moving around. So he said, okay, well, the snake is warm now. Well, he opened up the thing, and the snake came right out and bit him right in the face. He said, why did you bite me? He said, well, I'm a snake, ain't I? <laughs> what do snakes do? They do what? They bite. And so at the end of the day, you know, you, you've got to have some common sense. Well, you know, at the end of the day, we found out what uh, 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 James 2.19. James 2.19. You have power as a child of God. So when I say I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you've got that type of power. Okay, now there are some things in your life that God is not going to allow to be taken out because they have purpose in your life. Go ahead, Dean, Dean York, read this. Well, let me help you, Dean York. Yeah, I, I uh, go ahead, yeah, you can see yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. James 2 and 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Now watch this now. That doesn't, well, that the devil also believes and tremble. There it is. Said Pratt, you hear that? It said, you believe in God, thou doest well. He said, the devils believe and they tremble. So when you mention the name of Jesus, what happens? The devils or demons tremble. All right? You got to get fighting mad when the devil comes in and starts messing with your kids and your relationship and your finances and your health because you got to know the word of God. Now, how many of you came to church naked today? Y'all looking like, Reverend, what you just say? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, when you look at the outline, the outline tells you to put on the full what? When you don't have the armor on, you are spiritually naked. Because every piece of the armor is designed to help you fight the adversary. Okay? The sword, which is the word of God. You know, the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, you've got to have those things on to fight the adversary. When you don't have them, you are spiritually naked and subject to be attacked by him. All right? So how many of you like to sit on your porch? Y'all like sitting outside? How many of y'all like sitting out there near dawn, near dusk, when it's just getting night? All right? But now, if there's mosquitoes outside, you like sitting out there? 
Why not? They'll bite you. So what do you put on if you still want to sit out there? You put on repellent. Well, guess what the Bible is? The Bible is your spiritual repellent against all the schemes of the adversary. Look, real talk, we don't always know how Satan go attack us. Sometimes he attacks us and we don't even know. And I'll show you that in Scripture in just a minute. But you put the repellent on because the repellent is designed to do what? Push him off from you. Well, let me say this. You've got to have some friends that when you're under attack, that can help you fight your battles. All right? You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to learn how to fast and pray. All right? I get it sometimes we're sick, and sometimes you get this bad news, and it's, it's discouraging. But that's still not going to stop the promises of God. God said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. All right? And everything that comes in my life, it is because God has permissibly allowed it. All right? Now, uh, Psalm, uh, I, I read some, uh, did I read Psalm 84 and 11? Okay, I did read that. All right, so, so Dignor, what's, what's, number, uh, what's number three? Number three, stop you from operating in your giftedness. All right? So, what's the, all right, so everybody has a spiritual gift. If you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. You do not, Brother, brother Raz, you will not get a spiritual gift until you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the giver of your gift. You, you can't do God like you do Burger King and order what you want to order. Uh, let me get two Whoppers, uh, put a little cheese on that. You know. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit determines your spiritual gift. All right? And for the record, singing is not a spiritual gift. It's a talent. Everybody can sing, we just can't sing well. Everybody can hum. We can't, some folks can't even hum well, but that's all right. All right, you making a joyful noise. But understand this now. Satan, wants, Satan does not want you to recognize your gift because your gift, get this now, is designed to win souls for the kingdom. He says, and I, if I'm lifted, I'll do what? So when you operate in your gift, when the anointing is on you to do what God has called you to do, I guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going you're gonna to transform some lives. All right? I guarantee you that. And that's why you got to learn what your gift is. How many of you know how to bake cakes? And how many of you know how to bake cakes good? Now, some of y'all hands should have probably went down right there. But since you want to leave it up, I just will tell you, you know you are in church so you might as well put that in. <laughs> All right. How many of y'all think y'all can make macaroni and cheese really well? I ain't talking about go get this Chef Boy ID type stuff. I'm talking about make it from scratch. How many of y'all think y'all can, uh, can uh, barbecue ribs really well? Like, there's no ribs like your ribs. All right. How many of y'all think y'all can boil water pretty good? Because some of y'all might be able to do that. All y'all might get an A-plus in that. When you know how to do something well, note, notice this. Uh, there was a guy uh, at, New, at First Samuel, when I attended First Samuel, his name was Brother Pittman. And Brother Pittman uh, was known for making yellow cakes. And he would make yellow cakes like nobody going north, if you will. And there was, they were in demand. What am I saying about your gifting? When you're operating in your gifting, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to be in demand to use your gift. Why? Because it's getting God results. 
So if you know your gift right now and you're not bearing fruit and nobody's asking about it, then that tells me maybe you ain't operating in it. Or maybe you need some training to learn how to use the gift. All right? And that's what God wants us to understand. Now, all of us are gifted in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We're all part of the body of Christ. So notice, Deacon York, that you don't put shoes on your hands. Right? Yeah. Notice that now. Uh, notice that, that you don't put glasses on your toes. Right? Notice that you don't put hearing... rock or a little rock or a tiny rock, you have a purpose. And when you don't understand that, you cannot, you will not do your part in growing a kingdom. So in the church, here's part of the problem, Sister. In the church, oftentimes, there are big eyes and little U's. We classify people by how much money they give, by, how, by, by which family they're in, uh, by how popular they are, gives the world a false impression of the church. Jesus said, you ain't worth nothing. Jesus said, just when you think you something, you ain't nothing. Right? And, and I get the titles. I get it as I tell people. I've, I've been in title positions all my life. I'm always humble. But you don't need to walk me up there and sit in the pool. I can praise God on the back pew. When I used to go to funerals, especially when I lived in Battle Creek, uh, you want to, no, 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 I'm okay back here. I'm going to say amen from the back pew. See, I'm a back pew amen person saying type of person. Now, what I discovered about the back pew, Brother Ernie, uh, Sis, Sis Salter, what I discovered about the back pew is sometimes the people on the back pew don't like loud mouths. 
I discovered that. I discovered that if you're on the back pew saying amen, sometimes I get people doing like this. Like they're trying to tell me, be quiet. Like if you really want to make that noise, go to the front. Uh-uh. I'm going to make some noise in the back. If I got to stand in the foyer, I'm going to say amen. And if you throw me outside, I'm going to be saying amen outside just as well. <clears throat> Bible said, let everything that have breath. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to praise God whether you want me to praise God or not. Now, the question you got to ask is, is the person next to you going to praise God like you praise God? Help me somebody. And so at some point, you know, you, you got to praise God and don't worry about other people. Sometimes you might be the gas that might light the fire next to you. All right. So, so number, so number, uh, so number five. Uh, watch this now. Uh, go ahead, Dignes. Number five. Stop you from knowing Jesus. Mm. Satan's goal is to stop you from knowing Jesus. All right. How many of you know your social security number? By heart. Most of you. Now, why do you know your social security number? It's important. It means something, right? It's your access to money, right? Can I just go ahead and say it? It's your access to money, right? It's your access to retirement, right? It's your access to a new car if you want credit or if you want to move into a house, right? It's your access to benefits, right? That's why it's important. Well, if you don't study the word of God, if you don't meditate on the word of God, how can you actually know Jesus and the power Jesus has, but the power you have just as well? Think about that. So at the end of the day, why is your social security? It's your social security number is more important than anything. Because without it, you don't get no benefits. Right? Without Social Security, you can't apply to get a house or a car. They use your Social Security now for, even for your car insurance, right? Right. All right. They use it for your medical records. They use it for everything. Well, the Bible is designed so that you can know Jesus and what he means for us. But if Satan can stop you from reading, if he can stop you from showing up to Bible study, and life development hour. If he can stop you from listening to the word of God preach, you won't know Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. Now, I said this, Dean York, before, um, the card that we had, uh, one of the things I discovered, and I didn't notice Sister Watkins, I had this, the car that I drive right now, I had that car a year. Okay, and I didn't know that the, the mirrors on that car can move in and out. You know why? Because I didn't read. I didn't read the manual. It's some stuff on my TV right now. I oh, my TV do that? I didn't had that TV for three or four years. I'm just discovering right now. Because I, you know, I had a problem with the TV. I called in the repairman, and the repairman told me that the TV do. I'm like, what? Now, guess what I'm doing now? I'm using it now. I'm like, yeah, check this out, bro. My TV do this, man. It can spin. It can, man, it's got all this stuff here. Why? Because I'm learning more. Well, if you don't know more about Jesus, how can you say he's the captain of your soul? How can you say by his stripes you are healed? 
the things I'm getting at is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I push this from a different perspective? The reason why sometimes we, we come to church, uh, we come to church, but we don't know the members in the church. So how can you call me your brother and you don't know me? How can you call me my, your sister and we don't spend no time together? I had some members. New York, I had some members at the church I went to. We had a, we had a church director. We had taken pictures, you know, so that everybody could, you know, have a, have a photo directory. I had some people in there. They didn't want people to know their phone numbers. They didn't want people to know where they stayed. I'm like, it's not like we're going to come over there all the time. I mean, I, you know, and the point I'm getting at is, so your picture's just there. Some people didn't even want their name in there. Like, well, you don't need to be taking no picture. I mean, think about this now. How would your left hand act if it didn't know your right hand? And so the point I'm getting at is, that would be like, how many of you got brothers and sisters? How would, how would this be? And I, this is kind of crazy, but how would this be if you lived all your life, you grew up at the, in your house with your family, but you didn't know your brother? You lived in the same house, but you didn't know your brother. Think about how crazy that is. And think about how crazy it is to come to church every day, every Sunday, rather, and don't know Jesus. Think about that. And there are people that do that week. They won't study. They won't read. Well, you know, I, you know I, didn't quite, I didn't quite finish my education. Okay, I get that. But there are, there are tapes and CDs. You can get in reading clubs. At some point, you need to be able to taste and see for yourself. Now, I've been referred a lot of times, and what I've discovered, Dean York, I could be wrong. Uh, what I've discovered is sometimes you can't always go on people's recommendations. Because what tastes bad to you might taste good to me. Right? Somebody sits here and may tell you that wasn't a good movie, but when I go, that was a great movie. You can't always go and see, it's about perspective. And what may not taste, oh, that's got too much sugar in it. It got just enough for me. Them ribs were too hard. They were just right for me. See, it's, you got to taste and see for yourself. And when you start reading that, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll cover you, I'll keep you, I'll never leave you. I'm like, oh, that's, that's starting to get good. Let me read a little bit more. Okay, let me use another example since some of y'all don't get that. Um, y'all remember when y'all was in high school or middle school and y'all used to, you know, you had this boyfriend, little boyfriend, little girlfriend that used to send you a love letter? Y'all remember them days? All right. Now, you must have read that letter until the until ink got washed off of it. Right? You wanted everybody to see, man, did you see what she wrote me? She said she loved me. All right. You kept that letter in your pocket. You slept with it. You read it every day. You read it during lunch hour. You showed it to her. I still got this letter you sent me. All right. Why? Because it was important. So how important is it for you to know Jesus? How bad do you want to know him? Because if you want to know him, you need to spend some time with him. All right? Here's another one. Go ahead, Deacon uh, Deacon Yancey. Uh, number six. Stop you from knowing the love of God and his plan of salvation. All right? So think about this. Anybody know John 3.16? Wait, I, uh, wait, let me, 
Everybody should know John 3.16. All right? It is our salvific ticket to righteousness. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Hold up. Who's the world? Us. For God so loved you that God gave his only begotten son to do what for you? God said, I know your state. I know what you look like. I know what you've been through. I know you've done some things, but my son died to still save you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess, that's personal. It didn't say that if you confess with your mama's mouth, it said with your mouth, right? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So for me, Satan, wants, Satan does not want you to understand how much God loves you. All right? Now, why is that critical? A lot of our young people and adults right now struggle with their self-identity. Some people are confused about their identity. Uh, some people have never been touched or hugged. Can you imagine being a baby and never picked up by your mama? Can you imagine being a son and never being told by your father that he loves you or hugs you? Can you imagine being a daughter of a mother that was actually jealous of you and would never tell you you look pretty? Can you imagine what that does for anybody? And yet God said, you know how much I loved you? Huh. I sent my son down here to die for you. He gave up everything to come down here to take your place on the cross. Now, that's what you call love. All right? And that's the thing we got to keep telling everybody. That regard, Look, regardless whether you're homeless or in a shelter, regardless to whether you've been in prison or you sold your body or you've done drugs or you've been molested, God still loves you. And watch this now. And you got to go a step further and say, and I love you with the love of Jesus also. Because you can't call yourself a child of God and not love everybody. Right? Y'all, I heard like three amens that time. All right. Tell your neighbor, hey, God's still working on me. Uh -huh. Come on, Dean, you're reading number seven for us. Seven. Stop you from knowing that God wants you to be saved. Mm. Wants to save you. You know what? I, you know, God couldn't love me. I mean, I, I lived a very bad life. Nobody wants me. I just want to, I just want to, you know, I'm just so numb to life. I just want to take my life. I'm tired of all the pain. Do you know how many times that's said every day and people go through with that? They take their lives because they feel worthless. Now, watch this because I need you to understand there are people even in the church taking their lives. No, y'all missing the magnitude of this. That means that somewhere along the road, Christians have not told fellow believers that you are important to God. 
Sometimes we're surprised, Deacon York. We're surprised by people in the church that take their lives. But real talk, and you can help me with this, Deacon Yance, as well. There are people in the church that struggle mentally. And we try to, uh, we try to downplay that as if, no, you're okay. No, 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 I'm not okay. I got some issues. And in the black church in particular, it's almost, it's almost taboo to say you struggling with, with some things, right? All right? But we see it every day. I got some people in my family that, that don't quite have it all together. I'm sure y'all got some, even though y'all won't talk about it. It's a way of life, right? Young, I know you deal with some people like that, don't you? Yeah. Also, yes, I do, Pastor, but also they believe that Satan wants you to believe that your past have been so messed up. Yes, sir. That God don't love you today. Oh, my goodness. That's spot on right there. God couldn't love a person like me. I was out there selling my body. I did drugs. I stole from my mama. I, I had an abortion. I, I touched somebody where I shouldn't have. God couldn't love a person like me. And the devil is a lie. Let me come back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? God said, I, I didn't just give for the rich folks. I didn't just give for the black folks. I didn't just give for the Hispanics or the white people or the mixed people. I didn't give for the folks that live on that side of the tracks. I gave my son for everybody. Now, let me go a step further. For everybody and Craig Tatum. Because sometimes, Brother Simmons, sometimes we can feel like, but, you know, but he can't be talking about me. Look at the life I've lived. And sometimes that wages war against our minds. All right? Man, I disrespected my mama. Man, I did this. Man, I did that. God said, son, I gave my son for you so that you can be brought back in my family. Amen. Amen to that. So Satan wants to stop you. So look at this. There's some schemes. There, we call it the big three on your outline. The big three schemes of Satan. One of the things that Satan majors in is lies. Right? Then your Satan schemes by using lies. We know according to the text, John 8, 44, he's the father of lies. All right? Satan will lie to you. You, you, know, you know, you really deserve that. If you go ahead and take that, ain't nobody going to find out. You know, just, just take $2 this time. Don't, if they don't say nothing, tomorrow take 5 Your mama gone. Her purse is open. Uh, you know, my mama never had to worry about her purse at our house. <laughs> huh? She ain't had to worry about no money. She can put money on that, on that table, and it'll be there 10 years from now. Hello, somebody. <laughs> All right? and, and so at the end of the day, you know, Satan attempts to deceive us by twisting and completely changing God's word, God's word with the purpose of confusion leading us to sin. Well, you know, God said he'd forgive you if you did it, so just go on and do it. How many of us have heard that? I know I've been duped by that, I, and y'all probably won't say amen, but y'all probably been duped as well. Well, all you got to do is just tell God. All you got to do is go to God. Now, now listen. Now, I get this. I get it, Deacon York, Deacon Yancey, that sometimes we get duped. 
But now the second time you do it, you ain't being duped. You're doing it because you flat out want to do it. Now, y'all ain't going to say amen there, but I'll say it for you. Okay, when you keep doing the same thing, oh, the devil made the devil ain't made you do nothing. The, the devil can't make you do nothing. You make a choice to do it. Y'all got real quiet right there. Well, you know, the devil tempted me to steal. No, the devil didn't tempt you to steal. You stole it because you wanted it. All right? You wanted them Air Jordans like everybody else. All right? So at the end of the day, Satan tempts us to three schemes. He uses lies. You're no good. That's a lie. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You can't defeat me. Yes, you can. For no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that comes against me shall be condemned. Okay? Uh, nobody will ever want you. For you were bought with a price. You, you get what I'm saying? For every lie he tells, there's a word to counteract it. What, what's number two, Digny Yancey? Temptations. All right. Go ahead. Keep reading. Satan schemes by using temptation. He works to set before us sinful things that we tempt that will tempt us to sin. While Satan cannot inhabit us and make us sin, mm -hmm. he will he can't certainly <clears throat> mess with us, mess with us and tempt us to sin. All right. Now watch this verse, his, his redeeming. First Peter five and eight. I know y'all know it by now, but y'all just want us to quote it, so we'll quote it for you. First Peter five and eight. It says be sober and be alert for your adversary or for the devil, your adversary, uh, as a roaring lion is walking about doing what? So what is he actually doing? He looking. He, he could be at my house and lickety split, he can come over to your house. And he just hanging around. He's just watching y'all, see what y'all doing, see how y'all reacting, mingling and co-mingling. He watching to see, hmm, let's see Dean Stewart. Mm, he's on the, on the internet. Oh, wait, he looking at something. Hmm. Okay, come here, Lust. <laughs> come here, Lust. I got an assignment for you. He's looking for someone he can devour. And here's some, uh, Ding, Ding Rocto, 2 uh, Corinthians 2 and 11. Because I want you to also understand, I know you think you're smart. But you do need to understand that Satan has been around for thousands of years. And the Bible, watch this now. Watch this text. Go ahead, Ding, Ding York, read that scripture. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. Let Satan should get an advantage of us. Mm -hmm. Watch this. For we are not ignorant of his device. Now, what it's actually telling us is Satan can outwit us in some things. I know you think you're smart and all that, but there are some things Satan has been around long enough he can dupe you in. Remember now, temptation means to lure. All right? It means to lure you. And that's why you got to be careful what you watch. I saw something on TV. You know, right now, you know, they got all this stuff on, you know, you can stream everything now, right? And they got this thing on. It's called All the Queen's Men. Okay, some of y'all know what I'm talking about already. It ain't nothing but a bunch of almost naked men dancing. And if you don't watch it, 
I mean, that's really all it is. You know, TV has almost reached a point where they almost, you're literally having intimacy right there. And if you don't watch yourself, your flesh will start. Do y'all want me to say it or y'all going to say it? You can start sitting and say, oh, Lord. Woo. You, I, I know you're married, but you be looking. You be like, uh, honey, would you go get me something out the kitchen? <laughs> listen, just be, listen, just because you're married, it does not mean that Satan cannot tempt you in that area. Okay? Now, remember now, I told you there are some of his devices that we are naive to. Lure means that he slowly weans you in. All right? And that's why the Bible says to always be watching. All right? We, we know that. Uh, now, let me make you aware of this. Um, and, and you can see this in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 through 11. Don't think you're the only person that has not been tempted. All right? The Bible tells us that, that Jesus, after he was baptized, watch this thing, York. Right after he was baptized, the Bible says, and Jesus, watch this, Brother Bracket, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The Holy Spirit led him out there. And he was out there 40 days and, and 40 nights. And it says, after 40 days of not eating, he hungered. And the first thing since Blanche Williams, Satan says, is, look, you know, if you're the son, uh, turn these stones into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. Watch this now. Why does that make sense? Because there's a lot of things we see that we now start to lust after. Right? Okay, let me help you. Why do you think they call it window shopping? Sis Kearney, have you ever thought about that? They call it window shopping. Why? Because when you start shopping, you, you walking in the mall, you see something, you stop and you start looking. And then you start thinking, boy, that would look good on me, right? And you sit there and you look at everything and check it out. Next thing you do, you go what? You start going into the store. Well, do you remember what happened to Eve? Eve did what? She looked. Number two, she thought. Number three, she... All right? But then it was the pride of life. What was the second thing that, that Satan tempted God with? We got to quit because the time is up. What's the second thing that Satan tempted Jesus with? Was it the kingdom? All right. Y'all sure about that? Go, go, to, go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 through 11. Look at it. So the first one was turn this, turn these stones into bread. The second temptation, can you pull that up, Deacon Roscoe, uh, uh, Matthew 4, 3 through 11? Watch this. All right. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now watch Jesus. Go to the next verse. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus says this. But Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. All right. Watch verse number five. Watch this. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now watch verse number six. 
and saith, If thou be the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give, the, give his angels charge concerning thee, and in thy hands thou shalt bear thee up, lest at any time thou, uh, thou dash thy foot against a stone. What he was telling Jesus is, okay, what I want you to do right now is turn back into who you are in full glory. In other words, he was talking about the pride of life. All right? What did Jesus say in the next verse? In verse 7, what did he say? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And what was the third one? Because y'all said it earlier. The kingdoms, all right? And that's the lust of the eyes. When you see everything that you have, you start to lust. All right? Now, if he did it to Jesus, wouldn't make you think he won't do it to us. Those three are some of the major ones that cause us to stumble and fall often. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. That caused Eve to fall. Or Adam and Eve. And that's why we got to keep working. Let me get some final comments from Deacon York and from, again, Deacon Yancey. Yeah, yeah Pastor, uh, I know today that Satan will attack. I can just come out of worship service. Yes, sir. Yeah, going good. And there is Satan sitting on the hood of my car. Look me, out Come now. on. Yes, yes, sir. So I do know yes. that today. Amen. And Deacon York, he won't even let you get in the foyer without trying to start some stuff. All right. Come, come on, Deacon Yancey. Amen. Amen. Um, as children of God, we got to remember that um, we got to continue to follow the work of God, continue to do the will of God, and um, just recognize that the demons and the devils have no place with God. Amen. And understand this at the end of the day. Satan's job is to distract, it is to distort, it is to destroy. And our job, remember, is to sow the word in our hearts. All right. This training that we're doing now is priceless. Because it's designed to help you grow so that you can fight a better fight. So that tomorrow, when your bills are due and Satan starts to tempt you, tomorrow, when your relationship is on rocky soil and that old flame you just run into at the store, you know, tomorrow, you know, when you're on a diet, but Satan takes you someplace where people are cooking and all of a sudden you smell them ribs. His purpose is to tempt you. Do you have enough strength to say, no, Satan, I'm not going to yield? Well, ain't nothing wrong with one drink. I just have one. And before you know it, one turned into five. Right? And before you know it, somebody got to take you home because you're too drunk. Uh, it can happen. All right? It can happen. So we got to practice. So, I, you know, what I need you to be praying about is praying that God gives you strength to see Satan for who he is. We're going to talk about this next week, Ding York, because believe it or not, Satan, Satan will show up in a red dress. He will show up in a black suit, right? Because you can be used by Satan to cause other people downfall. 
All right, we're going to talk a little bit about that on Wednesday, all right? All right, hey, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back in a couple minutes. Uh, Deacon York and I, we're going to go and do five miles around the track, and we'll be back, get ready for worship at 11 o'clock.